Hello and welcome to the March 22nd, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and again, welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I am Mr. Joe, and it's very, very nice to be with everybody today. Once again, it is actually quite nasty in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and I have to tell you, I am hurting right now. I just did a lot of shoveling in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, but I will say this, it's actually very good for my mind. I feel great afterwards. Some uh, some light exercise always seems to help me. Not too much exercise, because too much exercise will sometimes throw me into mania mode. But for the for this matter here, in terms of what I did, and let me tell you, it was quite a bit. You know, we got a lot of snow out here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. Uh, it took me about two hours to get the driveway done. I do not have a snow blower. As I kind of looked around at my neighbors and watched as everybody fired up their machine. And Mr. Joe did the manual labor and whatnot. Listen, money is tight. Cannot afford one at this stage of my life, unfortunately. But what I can afford to do at this stage of my life is worry about my mental health. And that's what I have to do. And that's what we all have to do. So that's what I'm going to concentrate on doing. And part of worrying about my mental health is doing these podcasts. Uh, I got a lot of great emails over the last few days. And some of them really complimentary and made me feel really darn good. I have to tell you, it's, it's, it's really nice to get some emails once in a while that, you know, praise Praise me for the work that I'm doing, and it seems to me that I'm making a difference, which is really, again, it's just wonderful to see. I get very excited when I see those emails pop up. I've designated this email address, Yahoo, Mr. Joe BP at Yahoo.com, strictly for this podcast, and it's great because I won't get junk mail or other pieces of mail, sometimes bad news that will pop up into my regular Gmail account, whether it be bills or my ex-wife or whatever it might be. I don't get to see those things. Every time things pop up, it is either one of two things. It is related to my podcasting situation, whether it be Podbean or Google Play and or, or, you know, you great listeners out there who are my family. And one of the emails I just recently received, uh, they reinforced the idea that we are a family. And it just sounds great. It seems great. or is great. It's a great read, let's put it that way, when I open up that email. So some of the other things that took place in terms of emailing were some requests. And we're going to get into that in a minute because the so-called name of this podcast will be bipolar disorder or delusions and paranoia or vice versa, paranoia and delusions. I haven't named it yet, but I did make mention on Twitter that I will be going ahead and recording this episode about paranoia and delusions, specifically because of an incident that took place uh, 
uh, in my life just as of yesterday, which coincided with the requests that have come through in terms of recording a podcast like this. So I think it's very important. I recognize the audience out there. And of course, like everything else, I'm, if I'm able to tie it into my life, I will do so. Big shout out, uh, speaking of Twitter, big shout out to John Emotions uh, from Bipolar Style. And of course, Becky from that B Word podcast, Borderline, or Bipolar Borderline and Beautiful. They did a great episode called Wild Stallions. And I got a chance to listen to that. So if you haven't heard it yet, give a listen. And uh, they really, they really did some great work. They sound great together. And Bipolar Style and me in the near future will be doing something together. And I think specifically we will be talking about marijuana use and probably the family court system. We haven't panned out all the details yet, but we will certainly be hooking up for that. And again, part of my family. Just, just awesome. Just a part of the family. So I absolutely love it. Now, the other thing I wanted to make mention, and forgive me for not really knowing where to go with this, and I say that because my memory is absolutely so shot. Here's what I do know. Every time I record a podcast episode, the next step of that podcast episode usually entails myself going to the computer and I find a a little image to upload that goes along with the particular podcast episode. And I will also edit the description of my podcast. And while I'm doing all of this, I will listen to the podcast that I just created. I won't listen to the whole thing, but, you know, as podcast or a podcast creator, so to speak, we want to see exactly or hear what we sound like every once in a while to see if we sound like morons. <laughs> At least I do. I want to see how, how much I make sense, if I'm rambling, if my tone of voice is High, low, speedy, slow, things of that nature. And I just want to get this out of the way because I don't know if this was taken in this fashion or not. And if it, I haven't gotten any complaints about it. And I don't even know if I'm offline here in terms of what I am focusing on. But I want to apologize about my rant about my ex-wife. I, I need everybody to understand that the things that I do for my children, they do not deserve a gold medal. That is what being a father is all about. So if you, and I know I have mentioned this this in my podcast in the past, and some of the men out there are not going to be happy with what I say if you are divorced and if you are paying child support, uh, but you need to be on time with your child support. And I think it's wonderful that I've never been not even a second late with mine. But with that being said, I don't deserve a gold medal for that. Uh, my, my ex-wife, she really is out of her mind. And I say that with all due respect to the women out there who might be going through a divorce or through a court battle with their ex-husbands. I know it's not easy. I don't want you to think that I am ever down for just bashing my ex-wife. There is always a reason as to why I bring her up and a reason why I share my stories with you. And I think it's very unfair that we have been now separated for six years and I am in the midst of a a year and a half marriage with a 10-month-old 
and my ex-wife is still bringing up my wife that I love and adore and making fun of us and bad-mouthing me and bringing up my history, which might I add, had resolved itself in terms of the drug abuse that I engaged in, respectively in 2005 for cocaine and alcohol and 2007 for opiates. August 13th, 2011 was when I decided to quit smoking cigarettes and actually quit drinking coffee as well, which I have now uh, taken that back on. Uh, it's been quite a few years that I've been drinking coffee. Not a lot, uh, just a cup in the morning, that's all. I can't drink too much, guys, especially with bipolar disorder. At least for me, it speeds me up a little bit too much, makes my heart beat, causes a little bit of anxiety, so we have to be very careful with that. The reason why I did quit coffee back in 2011 because was simply because my life was centered around self-medication in terms of waking myself up with a very brief breakfast, which included a yogurt, which I downed right down the hatch, cup of coffee to speed me up in the morning, and then immediately following that, I would go into my laundry room and I would start doing bong hits. And it would then kind of bring me down a little bit. And before you knew it, I was on to a second cup of coffee. And I would come home after providing my private consulting work in different homes and schools. This is when I had my own business for about 13 years. And the four years that I was abusing marijuana and... I was completely over-medicated. I would come home in between those consulting cases and I would smoke more and more marijuana to keep me going and I would drink more and more coffee. So it was kind of this mental thing that I had going on where I just I, I just wanted to quit. I just wanted to quit coffee and it never lasted. I believe it lasted until the year 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And I say that only because in 2012, my ex-wife and I had gone through our separation. Shortly after that, I lived with a couple of friends. I bounced around, and then I found myself with my current wife that I now live with and adore and love. And she had been going through a divorce herself at the time. Her husband had cheated on her. It was a horrible situation. We worked together. We found one another. And it was one of those stories where it was just meant to be. So that's how myself and Mr. Bipolar Joe's wife had met. And we ended up living together before we got married, something that, believe it or not, when Mr. Joe was growing up, was very frowned upon back in my day. It was kind of this old school mentality, believe it or not, me and my ex-wife, we did not live together before we were married. And I'm not putting anybody down uh, who doesn't abide by those rules, so to speak, because Second time around, I made sure that I did do it. I did live together with somebody before I got married, just to make sure, because you don't always know what you're in store for. And here's the thing, everybody. I made a horrible mistake. The only two things that were not mistakes from my uh, previous marriage were my two beautiful children. And I think we could all say that when it comes to our divorce and our ex, uh, ex-wives or husbands. We want to always believe that you know, the things that we produced were well worth the time that we spent with that significant other. With that being said, there was never a moment of peace. There was never a moment of happiness. 
there was never a moment of love or compassion that took place between me and my ex-wife. It was actually a very, very sad situation. We, we did not get along in any way whatsoever. We probably should have called off the wedding, and we decided not to, or at least I decided not to, because I was scared of the money that we had invested in the wedding. Could have saved myself a lot of heartache. Uh, but here I am saying all these things about my children and how much I love them. And it's important for you to understand what kind of a woman my ex-wife is. My children have come to me crying on several occasions and let me know that she stomps around the house saying, why the F did I have children? I should have never had children. I should have lived my life. Why? You know, and I, and I, I would imagine it's all out of anger, but these are things that you don't say in front of a child. No matter how old they are, it stays with them. And they come back and they tell me. So enough about my ex-wife. I just wanted to apologize if it seems like I'm bashing her in any way, uh, because to, to some extent I am. <laughs> but I, don't, I also don't want anybody to think that I don't take blame for the situation that transpired between me and my ex-wife because, and here's what I'm going to say to finalize everything, I have bipolar disorder and anybody with bipolar disorder, when you are not managing your mental illness correctly, you are not going to be an easy person to live with, no matter which way you slice it. And I was not easy. I tried to manage it. I managed it through medication, but at the same time I abused drugs. So that didn't work. For a very short time, I came off the drugs, but I still decided to manage my bipolar disorder with medication and marijuana. And, and, and even though it's still a drug, I, I use that term very loosely because there is a medical marijuana out there now, which people say to, tends to work. I don't agree, but that's to each his own. And that's only because I lived it, did it, and it didn't work. I tried to self-medicate here with my wife that I live with now for a period of five years through marijuana alone. And as I became older, it started to wear off, didn't work, and I was an animal. And that's the God's honest truth. So with that being said, I was not easy to live with with my ex-wife, certainly wasn't easy to live with my current wife. The difference here is that I have a woman that absolutely loves me as much as I love her and she adores me. So we make it work, which is awesome. So Yesterday, after I had just been going through some emails of people suggesting or asking or questioning whether or not I would be willing to do an episode on delusions and paranoia, I figured I would tie what went on yesterday into those requests. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to discuss this loosely, and we're going to discuss it from a technical standpoint to some extent. Create the image in your head. Yesterday uh, was not snowing here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. The weather was getting kind of bad, though. And I was ready for work. I was showered. I, was, I had eaten my breakfast. Everything was beautiful. I was ready to go. And one of the things that I actually enjoy and love doing, and I've gotten my wife to do it with me, is, is, is fantasy baseball. It's something that we take a lot of pride in. I won two championships last year, I'm proud to say, and it's something that we adore. We love it. And this Saturday, we actually have a live draft 
for you, for those of you who don't understand what that means, it's just simply we're going to have a bunch of people here that are in the same league as us. They all happen to be very close with myself and my wife. Uh, and we're going to hold this draft here live at the house. And it's just kind of like a little party. They all get wasted. They all smoke weed. They smoke cigarettes. And my wife and I kind of just sit back and watch them all in action. And none of it bothers me. The only thing that might bother me a little bit after it's all said and done is, you know, the cleanup that is involved. But we enjoy it. We did our very first live draft last year, and it was a great time. In the years previous to that, it would always be an online draft um, that we would take a part in. And that's cool, too. We actually do our own online draft that my wife and I are in another league with 11 or 10 other people that are from another state. So that's great. We do that on Sunday night. And that, like I said, happens online. But the live draft takes place on Saturday. So one of the things is my best buddy, Tad, who I've mentioned before in this podcast, best friend in the entire world, he is what we call the commissioner of the league. And the commissioner of the league is the person who collects the money and does the payouts. So now, again, Mr. Joe has won, as a matter of fact, two championships in a row with this league. As a matter of fact, the other league, I also won the championship. So I am right now on a roll, three-time champion. And it's not an easy thing to do, to even win one championship. But I won in 2016. I won in 2017 two championships, and now I'm going for my third one in 2018. And one of the things that happens is when you win a championship is you get a payout. So I was never paid my earnings for this championship. So I kindly said to my buddy on our group text, I said, I hope you're coming here with my money. Uh, I said to him, you owe me still 200 bucks because he had given me some of it but not all of it. So my my wife turns to me and she says, what are you talking about? He doesn't owe you 200 bucks. He owes you 400 bucks. So I quickly went back in the chat room and corrected myself. I said, never mind that. 400 bucks, 200 of that will be going towards this year's pot. 100 bucks a piece for me and my wife. And I said, and the $200 cash should be in my hand. Now, I had no idea what my wife was talking about. And here's where things get a little crazy and where I wanted to start talking before the delusions and before I start talking about the paranoia, something that's been going on with my Lamictal, and I have to relate it to Lamictal because it has never been this bad. Memory, which I have talked about in the past, I am starting to lose words. Can't come up with words, words that I use in everyday life. I just forget them. Things that I've just done, I forget. Things that I've done yesterday or the week before, I forget. So that's a given. My memory is going, and it's all due to the lamictal. There's no doubt in my mind. Number two, and you're going to find this crazy. I've even already forgotten what number two is. And as I'm speaking, I'm trying to think of what number two is. Ah, okay. That's how bad. My memory is with Lamictal, but I've remembered quickly. And one of the other things is my cognition, my cognitive skills. And what I mean by cognitive skills is just my ability to retain information or learn information. Cognition involves your overall thinking. Let's put it that way without getting too technical and start talking about educational terms and autism. I don't want to get into that right now, but just imagine... Uh, math, for example, because that's where this story is leading into. It took my wife 
45 minutes to break down exactly how I was owed $400. And really all it came down to was there were eight people who were supposed to put in $100 a piece. The winnings were $500 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for third place. So third place gets their money back, second place makes $100, and first place basically earns 400 bucks. And the wonderful thing is my wife took second place last year. So you threw that into the hat there, which was in, in terms of trying to help me understand the math behind it. I had to try to analyze what she was saying in terms of she was owed $100 and she never put in $100. So that was a wash. I never paid my $100, but because I won... $100 of that was a wash. Guys, I couldn't understand it. I could not understand it to the point where she took a piece of paper and she cut it into eight separate pieces and wrote the number 100 on each piece of paper and presented it on the countertop to me and I just could not understand it. And I began to cry. I actually began to cry. And she hugged me and she held me and she... She said to me, she goes, I'm so sorry that you just can't. At first, she got angry with me, and I, which made me even more upset. I said, I don't understand why you're getting angry with me. I said, this is not my fault. I said, I just can't figure it out. And I, I like to believe, everybody, that I'm a relatively smart man. I want to believe that. But I just couldn't get it. And now, keep in mind here that it's taken now 45 minutes, and Mr. Job is all ready to go for work. And if you haven't heard me in the past say that I am, I got some real leniency when it comes to my job, which I'm very, very grateful for. I am not on a time schedule, especially if I'm going into the office and I have nothing planned in the office. The only time I am really on a schedule is if I have to be at a particular school or a facility in which I might be doing some consultation, or if I am, even more so, if I'm providing a professional training of some sort, I am also what's called a crisis prevention intervention instructor licensed and certified. So when I am doing that in certain facilities, I got to be there on time because that is usually an eight hour training or six hour training that takes place exactly uh, two or three days straight, depending on how I break it up. So again, we have leniency, leniency for Mr. Joe's job and for multiple reasons. My wife's best friend is my boss. It's great. It works out well. And, and it's wonderful. So, but I'm late. And we've talked about the things that go on with Mr. Joe's head when it comes to being somewhere on time. I've always thought that no matter how early I was, I always think that I'm going to be late. We talked about that last episode. We talked about how horrible that is for me. I just had to put you guys on pause. Sorry about that, because my ex-wife is texting me about the upcoming spring break. So much for the warning that I gave her. She is now finding ways to text me because some of the reasons that I had given her is that she is allowed to contact me when it's about the children. So she has now found ways in the last 24 hours to contact me about camp, about my payments to camp, and about the spring break that will be taking place. So 
Uh, there you go for that one. Maybe just more of an indication. And again, these are things they they need to be discussed, but they could have been discussed a very long time ago, or they could have been discussed in the upcoming weeks. Nothing is is pressing here. So she has found a way to reach out to me. So again, let's go back to my lateness. And now you guys can imagine that Mr. Joe is extremely anxious. Forget about the fact that again, I got leniency at work. Nothing is pressing. It's not a huge deal. But now I am late. And I am, for quote unquote, a better terms, bugging out. <laughs> I don't use that. I used to use that term a lot more when I was younger, but that was all that I could come up with there. So now Mr. Joe is bugging out. And I got my car and my wife is telling me, please be careful. It's horrible driving. Uh, I, you know, you got to be careful. And I will tell you that things were horrible driving. I saw exactly 15 accidents on the way from Mr. Joe's neighborhood into the office. But I get a text message before I start up my car. And I want you to listen to this text message. Not much to listen to. It actually consists of four total words. The question was in text message, are you in today? Question mark. And that came from my boss. And again, four words, are you in today? Well, let me tell you what Mr. Joe started to feel. And, it, and it's, it's very upsetting to me, guys, because I am medicated now. And I need to put my finger on this as to why I am still like this. And I guess it just has to do with the fact that I have paranoia and, and bipolar. And it's not something that I am getting past. And maybe I need a, a different medication to help me address this. Or maybe I just got to work on it or work through it a little bit better through the help of therapy. But here, here we go now. Mr. Joe takes these four words. And I now believe that on a day where there is snow coming down, traffic is horrendous. You could basically die on the way in. And I got no schedule to worry about. I believe that I am going in to be yelled at, to be tormented, to be spoken to, and to be fired from my position. That is what I believe, and that is what I am now driving on the way to work, thinking in my head, to the point where one of the things we do when we think we're in trouble, whether we have bipolar or not, and this is a behavioral thing that we actually all do, is we start to reach out to the person or the authoritative figure that will be able to lay down the law, so to speak, or that might have something to discuss with us. And we start reaching out to inquire about whether or not we really are in trouble. We guess, I guess you could try, you could use the terms, feel that person out. So now here I am feeling this person out to see what is going on. I start talking about the accidents that I see. I start saying that I hope you got in safely and all these ridiculous things, things that I should not even be saying because remember, it is a nightmare driving in. So I am now putting my life in danger as I'm driving. And no, I was not texting and driving necessarily with my fingers, but I was speaking and, you know, texting with the speak. So text to speech to text or whatever you want to call it. And then I start texting my other co-worker in the office to feel her out. And I actually say to her, why is my boss interrogating me? 
She says to me, stop asking stupid questions and drive and be careful and stop texting. Then my boss texts me and she says, please be careful and stop texting. So what do I do? I start getting even more concerned. And I say to myself, oh my God, she doesn't even want to talk to me. It, it's, it's unfortunate. And it took me, unfortunately, till I got into the office and I kind of snuck in and I was real quiet when I came in and... I did that for a reason because I wanted to see their reaction to me just walking in. And sure as anything, both of them peeked out their head and they said, what are you doing? How, how could you be so quiet when you come in? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Big smiles on their face. An instant sigh of relief from me to the point, guys, where even when I got into the parking lot, I called my wife, or she called me actually, just to make sure, check on me that everything was okay because she had seen the weather. And she knew instantaneously something was wrong because of what had just transpired with my cognitive dis di difficulties. She, you know, she asked me if I was all right. Please don't cry. You'll get past this. Maybe you should start using sticky notes and, <laughs> and writing things down, trying to give me all the advice that my wonderful wife would, would give me. And, you know, I, I started to cry a little bit more. And I said, I think I'm going in and getting fired. And she said, are you out of your mind? She says, maybe she just wants to talk to you. What did she say? I said, she says, are you in today? And she told me that I was even more crazy than, than she thought I ever was. That she probably just wants to make sure that I'm okay. Maybe she looked around the office and saw that nobody was in and people were calling out. And she didn't want to put a PTO in for you. It could have been a million things. And she was 100% right. So... Very, very sad, and the end result is I am not fired. I am not uh, losing my job. I wish I could get past this and try to realize that I am an extremely valuable part of this place that I work at, and I just don't understand why I cannot seem to get a grip on that and recognize that I am secure in my position. So I don't know exactly know why. Wish I could figure it out, but I can't. So what I wanted to also talk about was something else that, thank goodness. Here's the thing. While this has not improved, there are many things that have improved for me. And I, I want to start about, I want to talk about that first and foremost. I guess you can call one of the paranoias that I used to have was I used to worry about my wife having uh, an affair and being completely and utterly sleeping around behind my back. I used to worry about her past, her sexual partners. I used to question her. And keep in mind, my wife never did anything to make me feel this way, I don't think, uh, not that I could recall. So I actually looked it up. And I found out that there is a word, or there is a, a, a syndrome, so to speak, actually, that coincides with bipolar disorder, and it's called Othello syndrome, which is a type of delusional therapy, uh, delusional jealousy. And I was reading that, <laughs> delusional therapy. I, I, I guess because I, I should probably go, go to therapy or should have went to therapy for that. That was what was in my mind. So I wrote this down and it says, Othello syndrome is a type of delusional jealousy. And what it was, again, was me suspecting all the time 
that Mr. Joe's, Mr. Bipolar Joe's wife was completely unfaithful and she was engaging in infidelity. And that's what I used to believe. And I used to get these sick, jealous feelings to the point, everybody, that I would monitor her. I would put control over her. I would make her call me and text me when she got to places, whether it be to work. Uh, and, and sometimes there was violence involved, I have to tell you. Mainly when I would put her to a test and when she would quote-unquote fail it, in my point of view, there were times where I actually hovered over her and I remember yelling and, and, and the spit flying out of my mouth as I would hover over her and accuse her and yell at her and uh, it, it was just absolutely disgusting and all it was was because I was just completely preoccupied with the delusional thought that my wonderful wife is being unfaithful for to me and I had no proof and I was completely my behavior was absolutely unacceptable and abnormal and one of the other things and I wrote this in parentheses next to the Othello syndrome and just so you know the problem is named Shakespeare's Othello because of a reason he murdered his wife because he believed her to be unfaithful so that's where they get that Othello uh, syndrome from but really what it is as i put this in parentheses is it's, it's basically pathological jealousy or morbid jealousy so to speak and it's a complete paranoia and that is something that i guys i used to sit on a cell phone bill for hours and hours analyzing every single text message that she placed and every single text message that came through i would make fake email accounts and I would pretend to be her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend and I would write to her to see if she would respond. I would text her from pretend numbers. I would look for applications that could make pretend numbers that could mimic her ex-boyfriends. I mean, things that you would not even imagine. And a lot of it I developed because in the very beginning of our relationship, she had maintained a friendship with an ex-boyfriend, and I was not happy about it. And all it was was a friendship, and I found it to be completely inappropriate. I stand by my decision as to what that was, and what that ended up prompting me to do was searching through her emails, and what that ended in was me finding old emails to her ex-husband in which she was trying to beg him to come back and basically salvage their relationship because they were married, and she was willing to forgive him for cheating on him and work through it but again this had been over for me and I don't I can't blame her now if I'm looking at it from a realistic standpoint she was willing to go to therapy she was willing to work through it and then she met me and she wasn't willing to anymore because we knew that we were in love so these emails and these things that I found were from really years prior uh, or at least a year prior uh, she 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 never hid anything from anybody, so she had emails dating back years and years, probably five or six years, in which she even had these sexual emails that she had written to one of her ex-boyfriends, which I later found out that she was 
she was not, they weren't even her. She actually had her friend because she was so, I guess you could use the word prude, that, which was why the ex-boyfriend eventually broke up with her at the, in the time, was he didn't like the fact that she was not sexually active with him, which made me feel even better <laughs> later on because I didn't have a lo- whole lot of stories that she can give me, which again was sick in its own right mind, but one of her friends had come up with this email thread for her to turn her boyfriend on for her. And I even I even put her to the test and I made her ask her friend whether or not she remembered doing that. And until her friend said yes, uh, I didn't believe her. And this again, this is dating back probably six, seven, eight years ago that people wouldn't even remember. My wife didn't even remember doing it, but I was sick in my head and I went back into the emails and I looked into these things and absolutely sickening. And again, one of the things that my wife did at the time my girlfriend was is I didn't like the fact that her ex-boyfriend was reaching out to us specifically while her and I were hanging out and she would write to him and say say things like lies you know like uh, I'm not feeling good I can't talk right now and she later explained to me and I, I would get mad at her and say well why aren't you telling him with you're with me and she would say to me Joe Mr. Bipolar Joe, she know, he knows that we're living together. It was my way, and maybe it was wrong or immature, but to get him to leave me alone, uh, tell him I got a headache or I can't talk because I just wanted him uh, to leave us alone. And whether that's true or not, whether it was her way of handling things, whatever. Uh, it's, maybe it was right. Maybe I'm starting to convince myself that she did something wrong here again. Uh, but she was she stood by her story, and... I do know that she did tell him that we lived together because in the end of the conversations, she he would say to her, tell so-and-so, I, I hope all is well and I you know, hope things are going good. And, you know, the man knew that I had kids and everything. So it wasn't like she was hiding things from him. It's just completely idiotic on my part. So very, very sad. Now, now in terms of other paranoid delusions, I want to keep... I want you to keep in mind there are a few others that you got to keep in the back of your mind and one of them or two of them actually apply to me also and the unfortunate thing is here is where things have not gotten better for me. I am no longer engaged in that pathological jealousy. I want everybody to understand. I don't monitor. I don't investigate. I don't look. I don't care. My wife loves me. I love her and I am not the least bit worried. Does not matter to me at all. She could talk to a guy. I don't care. I know she loves me. So that has gotten better, maybe through trust, maybe through medication, uh, maybe through the fact that I treated my wife like garbage for years and she dealt with it and worked through it with me because she did know I had bipolar disorder and a lot of what I did and the way that I acted was not the true me. She saw glimpses of the true Mr. Joe and that is what she loved and that is what we both strived to achieve to maintain our relationship and she she was my partner and stayed with it through the entire time. So maybe that has something to do with it also. Don't know. All I know is that's gone. One of the other things that is not gone is this sick feeling that I have with that at 8.20, whether it be the morning or the night, I feel like somebody is watching me and specifically tied into my work. I feel like somebody is in that cable box, is in that clock. I can't shake that feeling. And it comes on every time 
well, now the other thing is, what I also used to believe is that there was a reason why every time I would look at that clock, I would see the numbers 820. For some reason, every time I looked over, and I don't even like saying the words 820, 820, I'd rather say. Uh, every time I looked at it, I would say there is a reason. And what we call that is a delusion of reference, and which is really just thinking that random events, in my case, looking at the numbers 820, it would contain a special meaning for me and Mr. Joe alone. There is a reason why I look at that clock, and every time I look at it, for some reason it says 820. Come on, guys. Let's, and I could even talk myself through this to some extent. There are other times during the day that I look at the clock, and I don't analyze those times, but for some reason, every time that it would stick in my mind, the 820s would stick in my mind, and I would think that that random time that I looked at the clock, well, it contained a special meaning for me and me alone. And again, what those called, what that specific, it's called basically a delusion of reference, just so everybody can keep that in mind. You combine that with something called paranoid delusions or persecutory delusions. Uh, and it's spelled, and I wrote this down also, and I'll say it to you, for you again, persecutory or paranoid delusions, P-E-R-S-E-C-U-T-O-R-Y, and I got even the definition for you, believing you are being followed, spied on, secretly listened to, or anything else that has to do with being monitored, and that's basically paranoid delusions and you combine that with the delusions of reference and I cannot seem to shake this feeling that people are watching me and I must look like a, a god darn lunatic. I put my I pull my shirt over my head. I have even thought of taping things around my eyes. I mean it's just crazy guys. I wish I could shake this and I can't seem to uh can't seem to get that out of my mind now the other thing i wanted to mention which was besides the pathological jealousy the paranoid delusions the delusions of reference there are other ones that i want to define for you and keep in mind uh i would think that maybe i suffered from this and i don't want you to uh, to confuse this with being a hypochondriac or uh, being uh, somebody who suffers from an extreme amount of anxiety that results in panic attacks, but semantic delusions, S-O-M-A-T-I-C, semantic delusions are believing that you have some medical condition or physical defect. And for, for a period of nine months, I believed that I had HIV or an STD, or I was constantly dying of a heart attack or a stroke. That has not happened to me in quite some time, but that is also a delusion that we can suffer from. So if you are suffering from that, I strongly advise that you seek help and talk to somebody about it and see if you can work yourself through that. We also have something called bizarre delusions, which is basically believing in things that are impossible. And examples of that would be thinking you're a werewolf. <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing. For those of you who uh, feel like that, please, I'm not laughing at you because I am the moron that thought that I had magical powers like God at one time in my life that when I was not medicated. So let's be real here. Uh, the other example I found, which was very interesting, your sister is an octopus, or that giant worms make subway tunnels. These are bizarre delusions, and these must be some of the common ones that come up. 
uh, I thought that I was a product of Jesus Christ and that I had these secret powers that I could read minds and I don't feel that way anymore that now that I am medicated. I used to think that I was going to be on a talk show and I was going to be able to be one of those people that could read, uh, speak to the dead. So, go, go figure. Now, when these things, what you want to be careful is that these things a lot of times can be part of psychosis. And really what psychosis is, and I know this is not supposed to be about psychosis, but I wanted to touch on it just a little bit. Psychosis, by definition, is when you basically, it occurs when you lose touch with reality. In other words, your thinking, your beliefs, they become so distorted and not based on what's really happening around you. Uh, it's not an illness in itself, so to speak, but it's more or less a symptom of something else. It's It's... It's psychosis. It's being out there. It's not based on reality. It's really what it's not. And signs, symptoms, signs that you're having one or a psychotic episode, which is a lot of times what would happen to me in mania, they include those delusions. And mine get worse when I am in a manic mood. I will tell you this. I spoke that I am not dealing with that pathological jealousy or those paranoid uh, morbid jealousy situations. I particularly remember when I was up in my son Junior's room when he was not home and I was going through a severe manic episode in which I started stabbing myself with a, a uh, knife. I was, uh, uh, a scissor, I apologize. I was scratching my arms with a scissor. I was writing suicide notes, but at the same time I was also giggling and happy and rapping and singing, I started to look at the telephone bill again and investigating my wife. So at that moment in time, because I was in a manic mood, those delusions started to come back in terms of the jealousy. And I said to myself, she is absolutely cheating on me. Uh, so the other thing is that, you know, the hallucinations will come in in full effect when you are in psychosis sometimes, which is, again, hallucinations are just the basic definition without looking them up and defining them as seeing, hearing things that basically nobody else does. Though That's a simple way for me to describe hallucinations. Now, it's important for everybody to understand that with bipolar disorder, psychosis, again, typically occurs, at least for me, when you're in a manic episode, but believe it or not, it can occur when you are depressed as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Just because you're suffering from depression does not mean that you're going to be, does not mean that you're going to be able to avoid psychosis. It does happen when you are depressed as well. So if you have psychosis, you're likely going to be given a diagnosis of bipolar disorder with psychotic features. And that is where things become a little bit shaky for me because there are times when I can't pinpoint whether or not I'm in mania and I will start to hear subtle voices in my head and that is considered a hallucination. And if I am in manic mode, you could say that is bipolar disorder with psychotic features. If I am not in hypomania or mania, well, then you could say it's schizoaffective disorder. So still trying to figure that out. I'm starting to believe that it is bipolar disorder with psychotic features. We already know that I have mixed episodes 
with rapid cycling, which thank you from the bottom of my heart, Lamictal, and to Dr. So-and-so, Dr. Moron, who is not a moron anymore. I'm seeing her this Saturday. We, we tend to praise our doctors when medications work. We tend to badmouth our doctors when medications don't work. It's not the right thing to do. It's just something that I happen to do. And I am so grateful for my Lamictal and the 150 milligrams that I'm on. I may have to go up. Who knows? But right now, I am extremely grateful that I have not been cycling rapidly. I have not been experiencing those mixed episodes. The one thing I did discuss with my wife yesterday before we went into that uh, demonstration of the money that I described before was I asked her, I said, please give me your honest opinion. Am I doing better? And she said, in terms of your moods and the duration and the, what is the word? I've already forgotten. The level of the mood or, God, guys, it's so sad. Here is one of those situations where the word has absolutely lost my mind. So we're going to say the duration. Oh, here it is. The intensity of my mood swing, she said, has dramatically decreased to the point where she does not see it hardly anymore, which is just amazing. What she does continue to see is that I am unable to handle stress in any way. And the fact that I am making just, I, I completely make the worst, the most simplest situations, I come up, up and find the worst things that could possibly happen with it. She says, my phrases happen to be always, I don't like it. I don't see good things happening with that. Things are going to be bad. <laughs> These are the things I say. It could be as simple as my son, Mickey, opening a closet and I'll turn around and say, I don't like that can on that shelf. He's going to be able to reach up meaning that he's going to grow four inches overnight. He's going to grab that can. It's going to land. It's going to break his toe. And we're going to be in a hospital. And the, f the bills are going to be out of control. Our insurance is not going to kick in. And we're going to be responsible because the doctor who's going to perform the surgery is not going to be covered through our insurance. We're not going to have any other choice. And we're going to have medical bills for the rest of our lives. I mean, these are the things I do. And that's insanity. And that's the things that my wife points out to me. So I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> okay. Now, keep in mind, guys, that with bipolar disorder, warning that, that I want to warn you that psychosis can be very serious. It certainly can. But it doesn't always happen. And in fact, it does not normally happen with bipolar disorder. So keep that in mind. There are a select few of us that do deal with it. And I want you to be very, very careful and recognize that there are some warning signs when it comes to psychosis. And they let you know that it's coming, basically, these warning signs. Some of them, and I looked them up, and I don't recall where it's from, because uh, normally if I look up information, guys, I will be able to give you the exact reference as to what they are. But this happened to be just a collective place of things that just looked good to me with no real, um, I guess you could call it, and here I go again, losing that word, no real validity behind any of the websites. I just took what I saw and came up with my own things in my own mind um, that made sense in terms of warning signs. So these are more or less generated from a random selection of things on the internet combined with the things that have always allowed me to know that my psychosis was ready to build up and come on. So with that being said, I have to give that disclosure that I am not a doctor. 
but if you suddenly start to lose interest in things, you can. It's, it's safe to say that depression might be on its way, uh, or psychosis might be on its way. And I'm talking about things that you enjoy. Um, also, something else to be in, in, in. This would happen with me. Be aware of this unreasonable emotion that just doesn't make sense, a strong, unreasonable emotion or feeling that, that you have no emotion at all, that, for me, sometimes would lead me to believe that psychosis is on its way. Sleeping, guys, sleeping has a lot to do with uh, psychosis. I generated this one directly from the Internet because it was a big article. Uh, b- 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 this one, I believe, was BP Hope. Don't remember exactly, but they talk about the extreme changes in your sleeping patterns, and I just quickly jotted that down. That may lead to some psychosis, so be aware. Isolating yourself more than normal, that is something that I would do as I would feel that psychosis coming on. I would hear those voices, or I would think that they were ready to come. I would start to isolate myself, so be careful if you find yourself isolating yourself. If your performance at work suddenly starts to worsen, uh, you find that you're less interested in your work, um, being suspicious of others, that's a big one. That, to me, helps me to understand that I am starting to lead into a manic, possibly a manic with psychotic features episode. So keep that in mind. Bizarre behavior or speaking that doesn't reflect reality, that's another sign. Keep that in mind. Uh, Here's a big one, and I didn't get this from anywhere, but I did write it down because I started to think about some of the things that would transpire before my psychosis that I remember. And what it was, was my personal hygiene. I started to realize that before I would have psychotic episodes, my personal hygiene would start to suffer. I wouldn't really take care of myself. I I am somebody who, I am constantly clipping my nails, call it obsessive compulsive disorder without, I don't want to use that term too lightly. It could just be taking care of yourself. Remember we talked about OCD and how we don't like to abuse that term. Uh, I guess you could say that my OCD is part of that because I would have these delusional slash paranoid thoughts that, I would have disgusting dirt that would make its way under my fingernails if they got too long, and ultimately I would suffer from some kind of a disease, hence the reason why I would cut my fingernails all the time. But when I would not bother to invest that time in cutting my fingernails and ultimately not taking the time to take care of my personal hygiene in combination with skipping some showers, I would notice that psychosis would start to set in. So that was a big warning sign. Keep that in mind. Um, Trouble focusing, concentrating, things of that nature. Yesterday, when I had those cognitive delays, so to speak, just completely impossible for me to concentrate. I'm going to tell you right now that had I not been medicated, I believe that that would have resulted in a psychotic episode for me. So while it may not have been a warning sign for a psychotic episode to come on, the fact that I was struggling cognitively and unable to concentrate, I believe would have resulted in a psychotic episode, if that makes sense. So I think it's safe to assume that if you are having trouble concentrating along with many of these other things that I've spoken about, um, it's safe to assume 
that uh, psychosis might be on its way. And with that being said, we can also say that if you're unable to tell what's real or what's not real sometimes, and you have people pointing that out for you, well, psychosis may be on its way. Me, for me, last one I want to say is there are times when I would have some trouble communicating with others. I would change topics rather rapidly, go from topic to topic, or speaking very fast. Now, of course, this could be a sign of mania, but when I was more or less speaking inco incoherently, I would know that that was possibly psychosis setting in. So, something to keep in mind. I don't like going 55 minutes, which is what we've now exceeded, believe it or not, in Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. So I got to wrap it up, everybody. Uh, at Mr. Bipolar Joe is my Twitter handle. Uh, just look me up. You could search it. Mr. Joe BP at yahoo.com. I want you guys to write to me. I want you guys to share some of your stories. Uh, everything will be kept confidential. But I want to thank you once again to listening, for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Thank you again. Hope you enjoyed. Have a great day. If tomorrow is judgment day, and I'm standing on the front line. The Lord asked me what I did with my life. I will say, I spent it with you.